You're listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author Sarah Box, where you get the inside scoop on the steps action takers and decision makers take to align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. We focus on the mantra, no labels, no limits, no excuses. Each week, you'll hear from remarkable guests who have overcome challenges and obstacles to succeed in the face of adversity. By listening to their stories, you'll get practical tips, tools, and resources you can implement today to bust through your own internalized prisons of worry and doubt. And now, without further ado, please welcome your commanding coach with plenty of chutzpah and heart, Sarah Box. Welcome to this episode of the No Labels, No Limits podcast, a podcast all about helping action takers and decision makers like you align their purpose to their principles and achieve their goals in business and life. Hi, I'm Sarah from Sarah Box Coaching and Consulting, where we help nonprofit executives lead strategically and achieve impact in the world, all while staying heart-centered and true to who they really are. I'm also a former executive director, a believer in people and possibilities, and best-selling author of The Changemaker Ripple Effect, a book about how one person's drive, purpose, and boldness can impact thousands. And joining me on today's episode as a co-host is Beck Japovich. Beck is the founder and principal of Beck Japovich Communications, where she helps purpose-driven people craft their brand voice. And if you've been listening to our podcast for any time, you have also heard Beck in my interview with her. And we are here to tell you that the life you want is possible with the right support, mindset, and strategy. Beck? That is correct, Sarah. And on today's podcast, we have a special guest that we can't wait to tell you about. But before we lift the bonnet and take a deeper look into their story, we want to give a shout out to Carla Marie Manley for her great review of the No Labels, No Limits podcast. And Carla says, a force of love and wit. Sarah Box brings a true breath of fresh air to the world of podcasting. With an authentic, non-judgmental style, there are truly no limits or labels. Her interviews are fabulous, are a fabulous blend rather of witty intelligence and compassion. Fabulous. Thanks so much for that, Carla. And thanks, Beck, for getting us started. So, okay, let's get to the meat of today's podcast. We are going to be mm-hmm. joined by Sam Winch. Okay, let me say that again, Sam Winch. Does that automatically make you think of sandwich? Sandwich puns, bad puns? Keep listening, because Sam says she makes them herself. Sam helps busy business owners turn their content into courses, though. She has more than 10 years of experience building courses, and she's mastered the art of making the process as straightforward and painless as possible. And building courses and content to suit a diverse set of environments and audience is the jam in her sandwich. See, that's her pun, not mine. Um, That's clever. I know I'm not that clever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I hate to admit it, but Sam's worked with clients ranging from the Australian Defense Force, emergency services, government departments, and the surfing or the Surf Lifesaving Foundations. And she's including an entire mix of other types of solopreneurs and businesses in between all of that. When she's not busy creating courses or making terrible sandwich puns about her name, 
Sam has her hands full wrangling four kids, which includes a heavy bout of Xbox and computer games, along with managing their schoolwork remotely right now. So in this episode, you're going to learn from Sam how her career in retail set her on the path to what she loves and excels at doing today for herself and her clients, how Sam has recovered not once, but several times from putting all her eggs in one basket, and now how she helps people take all that stuff out of their heads and turn it into a course. So now let's welcome our guest, Sam Winch. Hi, Sam. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Beck. Thanks for having me. Woohoo! Good to have you here. It is. And before we dive in, Sam, and um, we didn't tell you we're going to ask you this, but we ask everybody this. Is there a non-negotiable or a ritual that you do every day that kind of keeps you focused and heading in your, your big vision towards your big goal? I would love to say it was something productive like journaling or meditation, but I'll be honest, it's coffee. Like my, <laughs> my morning coffee is my moment of just pure bliss. I sit, I, I find a quiet moment somewhere. Quiet in my house is, is unusual. And you know, that first sip is just glorious. So yes, I'd love to say it was something far healthier than that, but it's, it's coffee. Coffee is my morning moment. Mm, I think you're good. we're going to, yeah, I think we're going to find a lot of people listening, nodding their heads going, I agree wholeheartedly. <laughs> and don't you just love that smell when it's ready? Your guy going, ah, oh, that's even better. So, so I'm a good. caffeine sister with you, Sam. <laughs> um, well, let's just start right in. Can you tell us a little bit how your stint in retail help kind of move you in the direction that you're working today? What, what did you learn and what did you learn about yourself? Yeah, so I worked what we call big box retail here. You think the Target's, Walmart's, that sort of big retailer. And I started real young. I was in management by the time I was 18. And when I was fed up of it, I was 24 working sort of 60 hours a week, rotating shifts with two children under the age of two. And um, I, I'd had enough. Like I really had enough. So I was ready to leave. And as I was leaving, I was kind of assessing my skills and working out where to go next. And what I realized is that my period of time in management really wasn't about retail, but it was all about leading a team. And anyone who's in management know that the moment you're leading a team, you're doing a lot of training and teaching, whether you want to or not, whether you like it or not, it's just part of your role. You're inducting new members, you're teaching new skills. All of these things are, are just part of that process of developing team members. So it was really nothing to do with sales and retail. But by the time I left, I realized I had like six, seven years of training experience behind me. Wow, that's great. Was that just about your skills or did you find that that was something when you thought about training that you thought, I could dig doing training all the time. Um, I think it was part to do with the skills and part to do with the fact I've realized that's where I was naturally spending my time in my role. And I felt that if I was naturally drawn towards it, well, that must be a good sign, right? I wasn't avoiding that bit of the job, but instead I was leaning into it. And the leaning in felt like a really good sign. Mm-hmm. Which is an important like piece of any, any people who are working, you know, finding the pieces that do come naturally to them and, and, you know, we're constantly told we need to work on our weaknesses and get our weaknesses up to scratch, which, yeah, has its place. But what about, you know, really celebrating our strengths and finding that there's a way that doing work can be easy and enjoyable if it's something that comes naturally to you and you can monetize and help people from that, that platform. That's yeah. cool. 
For sure. And I think, I mean, I'm all for easy. And I talk to all of my course clients about this too. Like if there is a, a path of least resistance, let's try there first. Like why make mm-hmm. anything harder than it needs to be? So I try and apply that same logic to my own career development and business development is let's go path of least resistance at least to start with. And from there we can make good judgments. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is research that talks about you can work. So I'm going to be real simple with my math. Say you've got a hundred points available and mm-hmm. you've got, 40 or 50 that are in their not so great strength areas, mm-hmm. you're not terrible. You're not like mm-hmm. burying yourself because of it, but they're just, mm-hmm. they're fatiguing to you. You can do them, you can do them well. In fact, mm-hmm. people like you doing them because you don't mess up. But boy, at the end of the day, they suck the life out of you. And then mm-hmm. you do that thing, and I'm going to use you as an example. You're training or you're onboarding people, and you're thinking, I actually, I'm not that tired. I kind of feel natural in this role. Mm-hmm. It's really a better energy use to mm-hmm. build that and make that uber strong than it is to try and bring up a weakness and go, okay, I'm really good at accounting now. And you're thinking, who cares? Yeah. Right? You know, because those things, once you know that you can help, you may need to know how to do it so you can run, especially if you're solopreneur in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But once you can have help, then you know how to get or ask for that help. Mm-hmm. Which brings me to a question for you, Sam. You talk about like um, learning from putting all your eggs into one basket, and you learned a specific lesson a few times about that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes those are hard lessons to learn. Tell, tell us more about those, what you learned and from what event. I think it must have been a hard lesson to learn because I've learned it like three or four times now. And I'm, hoping, <laughs> I'm really hoping the last one stuck because I don't want to do it again. But um, so I did the, I think the natural progress, which was I moved out of a job in retail and into a job in training. And so I, you know, I thought I was safe. I had a, a an employer. I was getting a good rate of pay. I was in a new industry. I was like, yeah, you know, I'm doing all the things. And, um, and then I got fired or made redundant and I lost my job. And I think for anyone who's been in that position where you go into work that morning and you feel like you've got a job and by 9.30 you're on the train on the way home again without a job, it's this big shock to the system. And I was suddenly like, you know what, this, this thing I thought was safe. And I mean, hell, in today's world, you can see this all the time, that that job you thought was safe is not so safe, right? Mm-hmm. It's not as secure as you thought it was. So that was a pretty big wake up call that perhaps relying on an employer wasn't necessarily the best option for me because I didn't want to be in a position again with a young family where I woke up one morning and suddenly didn't have any income. I didn't have a job. Um, I knew I didn't want to be beholden to benefits or unemployment benefits because um, it's just not me. I don't, I don't want to put myself in that position where I'm beholden to someone else. So um, I started consulting and, and doing my own business and doing my own trade. And that was great. That was really, really good. Um, I built a connection with a business who was doing really well and they gave me lots of referral work and things were going great. And then I found myself in exactly the same position, which was that they closed down and decided not to run their business anymore. And this great stream of referral traffic that I had just dried up one day and I went, huh, suddenly I've got no income again. This position that I thought I was doing great at is is suddenly gone. And you know what? You think I'd learned from that, but I did it again. Like (laughs) the next year I got this big client. They were probably 90% 90% of my turnover, like easily 90% of my turnover. Mm-hmm. They're a great client to work with. We were doing awesome things with course creation. And then they decided to pivot and change direction and they weren't building courses anymore. And suddenly here I am, right? Third time round. So you'd mm-hmm. think after this, right? Surely now I've woken up. 
Um, but I realized that if I rely on just one source of income, be that an employer, be that a referral source, be that a client, whatever that one source is, one is, one is risky. Right? It mm-hmm. might be real good for a while. It might be real good for a long time, but at some point there's a risk involved. So I knew that I needed other options and selling my services was just one, but that's when I realized I needed to walk my talk and start building courses and products for myself because I can't, I can't rely on just one stream of income and I need some other things going on at the same time. So hopefully mm-hmm. I've learned it now because I don't want to go through it again. Well, it's hard to scale one Sam, right? Yeah, There's right. only one of you. So only one of you can serve a client in the way that you do. Even if you have a team, right? You can serve more clients, but it still requires you. So mm-hmm. um, talk about how, how building your own course has helped you move in that direction. So I, I'm going to be honest here, it's actually really hard as a course creator to build a course. It feels like there's this whole amount of external pressure that has to be Mm -hmm. just right. Um, I'm sure it's the same when you're writing content for yourself. When, you know, when I have to write a website or, you know, promotional material for myself, it's like, uh, how do you distill this down to one succinct strong message? Whereas for other people, you can do that. You've got that outside view. You're not attached to it. You don't overthink it. Oh yeah, it's way easier for someone else, (laughs) way easier. Um, So for me, it's been a process of trying to break. And and this is what I go through with the clients. It's just, I'm suddenly having to do this process with myself. Um, Mm -hmm. I need to break down that process. I take people through into tiny little bite-sized steps and and deliver these bits in in little pieces that they can buy when they need them. And it's, look, Sarah, it's a long process and one I haven't finished yet. Like I'm still, I've got new pieces coming out all the time because Mm -hmm. I'm still in that process of distilling my content into usable chunks where they don't necessarily need me, but I'm working on it. But what's great about that you know, Sam, is that you aren't waiting until you, I mean, this is the one thing I see in the work I do too. People like, and for me too, it's like, I want it to be perfect, right? But you're creating it so that you can actually adapt and create as you go, rather than waiting until it's perfect. Because perfect, guess what? I've never seen that day show up. (laughs) I'm sorry. I can look at it and think, oh man, I could tweak that, you know? So- yeah. And with courses almost even more so because there's so many moving parts. I get so many clients who are waiting for perfect. I am yet to see a perfect course ever. Mm-hmm. Like something, the moment you run it, you'll want to change something. You'll want to fix something. Something like it's just this moving parts and there is, there is no perfect. Luckily that's one thing I have learned along the way. There is, there's definitely no perfect when it comes to anything in the business world, I think, but especially course creation it just doesn't exist. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point is that when you are creating a course, you're creating it for um, an audience. And so to get the eyes from the audience and the feedback from the audience is going to help you improve and evolve that course. So you can't just sit there thinking, oh, what are they going to be thinking in five years or five months? And what will they need then? You know, you don't know that stuff. You just got to put it out where you are right then, do your best and then get the feedback and the feedback's going to help you then grow and develop that thing even better. It's a lot easier too, because then you have something concrete for people to react to, you know? So if I'm in your course and then you ask me, you say, well, was that clear to you? Yeah, it's mostly clear, but I have a question about this. Bingo. Thank you very much. I will tweak that for the next go round, you know? So it's not just a theory. It's not just an idea that people, (laughs) yeah. What kind of people should consider developing a course? Like who has, when you work with people, who has benefited or in what ways? Because I can imagine someone saying, well, 
I'm in a certain kind of business and I really don't see a need for a course or content like that. So how yes. could I identify whether I'm a fit to develop a course? So normally my course creators come in sort of three main groupings, I guess. One is that you are selling a service that has some sort of repetitive nature to it. And so we're going to take that process and distill it into a step-by-step -step guide without you. So um, that might be personal trainers, health consultants, coaches, physicians, those sorts of people where there's a system that they take every, every client through and some of that is the same. Um, so yeah, that's, that's one that we build for sale normally. Part two is for service providers who end up telling their clients the same thing again and again, but don't necessarily want to sell it separately, we can build support, support materials. So that might be an accountant who finds they're answering the same questions again and again and again. We can build a course that's more like an FAQ, for example, where they have a membership platform where clients can go and, and search the answers for their questions rather than having to send 20 emails. So that kind of course is a really good support mechanism for your existing services. Um, and the third people who I do a lot of work with are people who've got a team and we build induction programs. So rather than you onboarding new clients or new team members all the time, we take that onboarding process and turn that into some kind of course. But long story short, if you've got a thing that you are doing day in, day out, again and again and again, and there's that repetition involved, you've probably got the basis for creating some sort of content to support that repetition. Mm, that's a really good point. And to add to that, Sam, as you were talking, I was thinking, well, you know, I did this course creation for a lead generation email course. And that's a really great way to get a course into your business too, as a form of um, a lead generation. So you are going to be inviting the people who are pain aware. So people who know that they've got a problem, but they don't really know how to fix it yet. You can set up an, a lead generation of like, you know, how to distill my idea into a course and then make that a mini course that you're selling or offering them for free as a way. So yeah, if anybody likes baked goods, it. that's a little pull apart right here. Just have this little pull apart piece and you'll come back. Oh, so I like funny. that analogy. That's cute. Hey, I'm sorry. The minute I said Sam's name, I started thinking uh, <laughs> we're in two different continents recording this folks. So Beck's down in Australia, so she's mm -hmm. a whole day ahead of me, so Sam, but it's almost mm -hmm. dinner time here, and I'm thinking, oh, <laughs> dinner, ooh, pull apart. Pull apart. Sorry for and the digression. Have, oh, we have pull aparts here, and we have Vegemite and cheese pull apart, so that's, you know, <laughs> some visual for Australian, Australian listeners, too. There you go. Ooh. There's Sam going, what? We've just gone left on this whole thing. So I want to come back to the course creation. So, okay, so I'm going to assume someone's listening there saying, okay, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, you know, you've talked about kind of the why of creating a course and some of the benefits from it. Actually, what's involved in it? Are there some typical steps or thought process, processes that we go through? Yeah, there is. So the first thing normally is you've got to try and work out what you're actually trying to do. Like, the word course means so many different things to different people. So, I mean, like Beck says, is it a small freebie, like a taste tester, where you're just going to get them hooked on the taste of the yummy pull apart and then get them in for more? Are you building a really meaty, substantial sandwich? Like, is it, is it dinner, right? Is it, is it going <laughs> to replace one of your main services here? Or are you building something that's like super high end, like, I don't know, caviar Buffet. style? Like, <laughs> yeah. what, are you, what are you trying to do? Because if you don't know what 
you're trying to do before you start. And this is, I see clients do this a lot, right? They just jump in, they're like, I'm going to build a course. And they start recording videos and making PDFs and suddenly they've just lost. It's because they haven't actually worked out what they're making yet. Like, what are you, what are you making? We need some kind of plan here. So yeah, work out really clearly where you think this fits in your business and what you want. And then you can start to brainstorm your content and then you can start to look at your tech. But it needs to happen in that order and you need a plan or a recipe first. You can't just jump into the middle. Tired of feeling stuck and ending with the same result? Want to know how Sarah can help you with one-on-one or organizational coaching? Then book your free discovery call at sarahbox.com forward slash contact. Now back to the show. So when people, and I can relate to like, hey, here's all this stuff I could do and here's all this content and stuff. So let's say I've been working with you and I'm, I kind of have a, I know where I want to go. And then you've given, I'm assuming you're going to say, Sarah, this is what we need to do next. Now you've got to think it because you can't mind meld with me and get that out of my head. Could you? Because if you could, that'd make it really easy. Actually, I kind of can. So one of my most popular services, we call it a course outline session, but it'd be me and you on a call like this for two hours. And we just we map it out. Like I just pull those bits of gold out and create your course map. And then I hand it to you. And I'm like, here, Sarah, here's your course map. Off you go. So um, yeah, it can be done. I mean, like we were saying earlier, right? It's, it's much easier being the person on the outside than the one on the inside trying to do it. And I see clients do this a lot. You get so caught up in your own brain that you forget what bits of gold are in there. And you have so much knowledge and valuable sitting up there in your brain of yours. But sometimes it takes someone on the outside, come along and go, Hey, Sarah, that thing you just said was really cool. Let's unpick that. How do you do that? How would you explain that to someone else? And you need someone taking you through that step-by-step, like pulling those little bits out. But you've got, yeah, so much in there that could be used. We've just got to find those bits. That's really such a gift to have someone do that for you. Mm-hmm. It is, because then it makes it, all you have to do is like think. You ask a question, Sam, and if you and I are speaking or you and Beck are speaking, all we have to do is say what we already know and you can listen for what matters and like, okay, that's interesting, but it doesn't matter to the goal that you're setting or what you're trying to do. And I think that filtering piece, really knowing what to focus on in what order is one of the best gifts and um, things that a coach or a consultant can offer someone because the person you're working with is the expert in what they're doing. You don't have to teach them that, but to help them like, clear it out and get focused. So Beck, before we kind of go on with another question, did you have a thought or anything you want to ask Sam along those lines? You know what, as we were talking, my husband just came in, so I muted and I, <laughs> to be completely honest, I was like, you guys take the, take the lead on this one. So sorry, I don't, but. That's I good. I just wanted to make sure that you weren't feeling left out because I started going thinking <laughs> about all this stuff. So All right, so we've talked about how you can pull stuff out of our brains. Talk a little bit about, I know I was interested looking on your website and more information about you. You know, you you do something that I think is pretty unique and um, really valuable with your weekly live classes about course creation. So during those sessions, well, can you tell us what kind of like the structure for those calls and what do you cover? Who should be on it? If I wanted to be on it and had a question, how could I send you the question? Is any of that possible? Yeah, definitely. So part of the reason I run weekly classes is because course creation is a really big thing, right? And I've tried 
running big webinars or big courses, but it's huge. It's overwhelming. And so rather than trying to overwhelm people with hours and hours of stuff, I probably should listen to my own advice and break it down into little bite-sized steps. So that's what we do. Each week we do a half hour class and we focus on a specific piece of course creation. Now that varies each week. Sometimes it's content mapping. Sometimes it's the tech. Sometimes it's just how to structure your pieces. It varies each and every time. What I do is each week someone will get an email saying, hey, this week we're talking about this thing. If you want to come along, here's the link. Um, and you come along. The class is about 30 minutes long. We do a piece of content up at the beginning and then we open up to live Q&A. So they can ask some questions, they can um, get input, they can do all sorts of things. And then on occasion we do what I call a live work along, which is we use that 30 minutes just for working on your course. And I'm not going to teach you anything as such, but you're going to dedicate 30 minutes in your day to getting something done and the upside of doing it on the call with me is I can answer any questions along the way, give you feedback. You can even screen share if you want and give me control of your mouse and I can fix things as we go. So they're really powerful ways to just put 30 minutes aside each week to work on your course because course creation can be big and it can be lonely. So it's, it's like having a team of people to help you through each week. I love it. It's just so much value that you're offering to people, Sam. And are you finding, because I know that you've got like different levels of um, how clients can work with you. You can either teach them how to DIY it or you've got done for you services. Are you finding that these, these um, classes are really having people get really interested in your offerings and then you're getting some good leads, warm leads from them? Yeah, Just sometimes, but um, it's not necessarily the intention. So you're right. My... My clients tend to come in um, to two fields, really. There's the people who um, just want to DIY it and want to learn how to do it themselves, and that's great. And then there's the other end of the people who don't want to do it at all and just want to pay me to do it for them. And that's fine yeah. too, like not against that at all. So yeah. what I tend to do is lots of people come into these classes and it really helps them work out which party they're in. Like mm -hmm. if they want to DIY it, that's great. And I've got some things that will help them along the way. And if I if they can build their course completely off the back of my free information. I'm happy. Like I, I don't need to touch that. That's great. But if they come along and they can find the gaps and they can find where they need help or which bits are too hard, well, we've self-identified there too. And that's really helpful. So mm -hmm. yeah, they are classes are a handy lead generation tool, I guess. But for me as well, it's about course creation became really popular for a while, which means I've seen some really good things come out of the industry, but I've seen some pretty average things come out of the industry. And for me, these weekly classes are about helping people produce good courses. And, you know, that's what I want. I don't want people to be signing up for these crappy online courses and not getting results and going, oh, online courses are terrible. No one can learn anything from an online course oh. just because they had one bad experience learning. So oh, if absolutely. I can help people create good learning experiences, then, yeah, I'm happy. You can obviously, I mean, that's awesome. You can tell that I've had my marketing hat on this morning doing some training about lead generation because that's what I'm talking about lots. But that's awesome. Yeah, you are helping people heaps and heaps and heaps, which is wonderful. So I want to ask you if we can to swap over and talk a little bit about tech and courses because when I read people's concerns about tech, and I noticed when you talked about the flow, tech's on the back end, right? After mm -hmm. the mapping and the content, right? You don't even get bogged down into all the details until you've got something to be bogged down in. But I'm asking you these questions because I'm curious because tech changes so much, right? And it's mm -hmm. so, and plus it can be really, um, oh, let's say, 
I think tech can be very alluring when you want to avoid the content piece. Like, okay, I've got my map. Okay, let's figure out how I'm going to put it out there, right? It can be more fun than rolling up your sleeves and doing the content. But let's just say I've followed with you and I've been getting coaching from you and I am ready to start thinking about tech. What are some of the ways, and I have a specific thought I wanted to ask you to, to react to or give feedback on, but when you're working with folks and you're trying to help them create a document that they can easily handle on the back end, not necessarily it'll be forward facing to their clients yet and you're coaching them, are you working in a certain platform um, like Google Docs or something that you find really easy or do you have a preference, something you've learned over time that you say, hey, this works great? Yeah, look, we keep it real simple normally. Google Docs is, is handy. We've got a, I've got a special mapping template that we run through Google Docs, which we can all work on live. Um, and it, it just maps where we're at in the project, all the content and the, and the things we need to create, what we need to do for that bit, videos, PDFs, which, which parts we're up to, what still needs work. Um, yeah, just a, a big live table that we can all work on together. It's nothing, it's nothing exciting, I'm afraid. People get all excited, they come to me, they're like, oh, can I see your mapping tool? I'm like, you can, it's a table. Like, it's, it's, not, that, <laughs> it's not that interesting. Um, but it's functional, right? It, and that's, when I come back to ease and path of least resistance, a lot of my clients are familiar with tables. They're fairly familiar with the Google Doc or something similar. If they're not, they've used Excel in the past. It works the same. So we're really working on how can we help facilitate the course creation the easiest way possible using tools that they are familiar with. So yeah, something like a Google Doc and then some kind of cloud sharing for documents, be that OneDrive or Dropbox or yeah, whatever that is to help them share files. Um, yeah, path of least resistance all the way. I love that because you know, that makes so much sense. And it's like a mistake that I keep making is seeing the next shiny tech thing. And because I'm a creative brain, I'm like, that is really great. And it makes sense. And it's pretty and it flows and stuff. But the thing is, when you're working with the client, you've got to figure out what's easiest for them. And if you don't want to have that training piece about, okay, I'm going to spend five, you know, five minutes to shoot a video about how to work this out or 20 minutes to let them know how this works you know it's a really good way keep it simple well it can also put a barrier of cost (laughs) up for people sometimes you know people say well i can't afford that software i mean and to think about it if you're just trying to get started get started Mm -hmm. there's free tools right they don't have to be fancy or flashy but they are there and so i just didn't know what your philosophy around that was sam yeah and you're right and i think um the same logic applies to, to everything when it comes to course creation is that we have to get started somewhere. And I loved how you said that a lot of people get bogged down in the tech questions before the content. And it's so true, but the, the truth is that the tech, honestly, that's the easy bit because either a, the platforms now are fairly user-friendly and drag and drop, or if that's still overwhelming and that's okay, it's the easiest bit to outsource. Like the getting the content out of your head and building the content, that's a bit hard to outsource. Like we need your brain and we can't, I can't replace your brain, but the tech that's hell easy. And look, we can fiver it. We can, you can, Oh, whatever. There are so many options. So I leave that bit to last on purpose. Cause you're right. It's really easy to get distracted by the bits there, but that's, that's the easy bit. Let's go back to the other bit first. Let's show up and do the work we need to do first. <laughs> And then we can, we can do all the flashy stuff. Plus you can pilot stuff. You know, sometimes you can overcommit to a tech or a platform and then 
two months in think that's not going to serve us and you've already mm -hmm. done all this work in it so um, I asked that as you might be able to tell I've learned that lesson the hard way a few times <laughs> and since I like tech when I'm struggling on content I'm thinking oh I wonder if I should check this out this would be a good time to research that so yeah. and I'm right there with you Sarah like I'm the first one to sign up for the the next shiny course platform or plugin or oh a new plugin it does this how exciting is that but really i'm just avoiding the document i'm supposed to be finishing. right it's I'm so right there great with you. to learn all the little ways we can procrastinate and yeah. even, even better when we can call ourselves on it and go okay get back to work here back you're That's not, a not. <laughs> because i've got a, a, a point to that because tech does change so often what's a good time frame to go back to your course and just to, to see you know what might need an upgrade say you've got a list a list of tech things that you're using in you know 2020 and then it's completely changed in 2021 is it a yearly thing is it a yeah look normally every time i especially if you've got a course that's running live so people start on the same date and process through the content in the same order at the end of a course is a great time to do a review because you can get mm -hmm. feedback from them and you can see what's worked and what hasn't and you can use that feedback to upgrade if need be but i would say as well that um while it's good to touch base i really would normally only go back to something if it wasn't working as well as it could so if everything is functioning well don't touch it don't break it don't, <laughs> don't fiddle with it um and i learn this in my personal life all the time like just don't break it. Um, so yeah, if it's if it's going well and your students are learning well and your tech is learning is working fine, and just just leave it. Stop fiddling. Leave it be. But if you're getting feedback and the feedback shows that there's room for growth or there are gaps that could be fixing, fine. Then we can have a look at it. But until then, yeah. it's good. Yep. If it ain't broke, don't ain't fix broke. it. Don't fix, fix it. it. That's it. Hey. Okay, so as we get ready to wrap this up, I just want to ask you to talk about or share with us what a first baby step is someone might take if they're even thinking about a course so for me it's normally to get some of your thoughts on i'm a paper girl i'm a good old pen and paper but if tech is your thing open a blank word docker and notepad or something but get some of your thoughts down because until you've really sort of looked at what you're trying to do it's just a concept and that can get really big and really overwhelming and there's so many moving parts. So just get, do a bit of a brain dump for me and, and write some notes down. Who, what are you trying to build, right? Who do you want to build it for? What, where do you think it's going to fit in your business model? Is it a freebie? Is it a high end? Like, what are you trying to do here? And once you've got some of those thoughts on paper, then you can start to look for solutions, but you need to, you need to work out what it is that you're trying to do. And once you've got that, then you can start to do some of the other bits. So um, I've got a course creation sort of template download that's really easily available. But the next step up from that is I've got a five days to course clarity program. It's five bucks. You don't lose anything by joining it, but it takes you through those steps of really working out what are you trying to do here? And by the end of that, you'll have clarity to go, okay, this is good for me. Like I'm, I could do this or eh, maybe I don't really need a course. And I do get a lot of clients who come to me like, Sam, I need a course. And I'm like, do you? Do you really like who's convinced you of that? Because maybe, maybe you do, but maybe you're just kind of being lured in the online course wave that's <laughs> happening at the moment. Too true. Well, we'll put links to that for you um, in the podcast notes for everybody who's listening, just so you don't have to worry about it. In fact, we'll have all the contact information for Sam so you can reach out to her. 
Beck, before we wrap this up, are there any things you would like to say from your perspective? Only that, Sam, you're a legend, and thanks for making something so, hmm, you know, chunky and meaty uh, sound really easily achievable. And it's just been great to talk to you, as always. No, thank you. So, and I want to echo that. You're just, you're really brilliant. I have downloaded your um, PDF and I think it's, it is brilliant and it's very, very clear. So I'm really encouraging mm -hmm. folks to do that. And I want to thank you all for being on the podcast. This is really fun to do this little co-host thing. Um, yeah. But I am going to ask people if they're listening, if you found value in this interview with Sam, please share it with someone else. Um, because just like Sam's trying to help you figure out whether or not you should have a course, we want to help solopreneurs, nonprofit leaders, and anybody who's trying to make a different in, difference in the world get the tools and information they need. Um, so please share it with someone. And if you liked what you heard, we really would appreciate it if you would um, review the podcast because your positive reviews and recommendations help us reach more people with the no labels, no limits message. And who knows, we might be sharing your review on an upcoming. Ooh. What do you say, Beck? Should we? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. The more shout outs, the better. <laughs> all right. So until next time, all you no labels, no limits, the skies, all possibilities, listeners have a great week. Bye. You've been listening to the No Labels, No Limits podcast with best-selling author, change agent, and strategic vision coach, Sarah Box. You can grab the show notes and find out how to work with Sarah at sarahbox.com forward slash no labels, no limits podcast. We'd love this podcast to reach as many people as possible. So please remember to rate, leave a five-star review and share the podcast with someone you think would get value from this conversation. Until next time, keep taking those daily action steps to align your purpose to your principles and achieve your goals in business and life.